This is everything's gonna have to be cut out because nobody cares about a budget. Great. Budget, budget. Welcome budget. to This Week in Crime, a true crime podcast about crimes that happened this week, but not this year. I'm Coda. The word I was trying to say was budgets. <laughs> I'm Crystal. Um. So, no banter. I'm doing the Cleveland Torso Murders. Yeah. I thought you weren't gonna do this one. I didn't want to do other notes. Um. Just for the record, yes, I know, and that's why we drink. just put out this episode two weeks ago. I did my notes before we ever went to go see them in Cleveland, which was when they did this shit originally, so they can suck my ass. So the Cleveland Torso Murders, between 12 and 20 murders, which it's officially 12, but people think that there's a lot more, between 1935 and 1938, a.k.a. a long-ass fucking time ago. Usually, they were usually drifters who were killed, and... Nine or ten of them were unidentified. I guess if that says nine or ten or nine of ten. <laughs> I didn't listen that hard to the two times I've heard this up, this case the first times. Great. Um, they were usually lower class, and it was like the depre- It was a lower class, like depression era shanty town in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. So the people that lived there, you know, didn't have any family, didn't really have jobs that would notice if they went missing, didn't really nobody was looking out for them. It was really close to where we were staying, right? She said something about Lorraine, and we were staying on Lorraine Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, victims were often beheaded and dismembered. The first first discovered victim, number one, was Andrew and Rassi. He was found on 9-23-1935. I wrote that down going, I'll remember that because 9-11 is September 11th. Nope. <laughs> um, he was found in the Jackass Hill area of Kingsbury Run, uh-huh. which sounds like somewhere in England. No, it sounds like something on Jackass. <laughs> I mean, yes, but it also sounds like a, somewhere in England. Like Peniston. What? Uh, according to and that's why we drink, it's a town in England. Okay, great. Where people get murdered. Um, he was found lying 30 feet away from victim number two. He had been dead. Oh, I'm dumb. Oh. I wrote dead two to three days before murder. <laughs> Dead two to three days before discovery. Um, he was probably killed second out of the twelve, but he was the first body to be discovered. And he's the only one that we really know anything about, because like I said, all the other people are unidentified. Um, I think there's one more that was identified. I did these notes a really long time ago. Um, and so through creeping and looking up his grave, I have a little bit of information about him. He was buried at St. Mary's Cemetery, and his parents were Joseph Andrassi, who died in 1948, and Helen Stridel Andrassi, who died in 1960. Which I feel like was not that long ago. I know, but, like, he got murdered in the 30s. Which was a long time ago, because that's 90 years ago. Yeah, in, like, 1935, and then she had to live 25 more years with her son having been murdered, and that just feels like a long time. These screaming kids are really fitting the atmosphere as well. Yeah, this is what it sounded like in Cleveland (laughs) at the time when they found the body. Um, His spouse was Lillian M. Kordowski, his song, and she died in 1965. She remarried after he was murdered, which, like, I mean, yeah, because she apparently was not that old, so, like, good for her. Mm. And his name was Carl, his song. Um, She had one daughter whose name was Sally Ann. It wasn't clear if that was her daughter with Edward or her daughter with Carl. Uh, oh, it was her daughter. It is clear because I have her birthday, April third, nineteen twenty nine. So she was around six when her her dad was murdered, and that was her child with Edward. That's rough. Um, she is a real estate agent with her own business, 
and she is also a postmaster's assistant and a restauranter. She died at age 77 on August 6, 2007. So, in his autopsy, he had been decapitated and emasculated. So, they cut off his big head and his little head. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because, like, there's emasculation, but that's when, I, like, you say that they have a tiny penis, but not after, not postpartum. That's what it said. It said postpartum. Or postmortem. Yeah. It, it said emasculation, but they um, they meant castration, but it's really hard to, for people to go. Then they cut off his weenie. <laughs> um, he was naked, except for his socks. And his body had been cleaned and then drained of blood. Great. And so, like, the, there wasn't any blood around where he was found. So somebody murdered him, cut off his head, drained him of all of his blood, probably by cutting off his head and then hanging him upside down, mm-hmm. and then just threw him there. Which, like, why go through all that effort and then just put him over there? And he also had rope burns around his wrist. And he also had an arrest record. And so now we're moving on to victim number two, which was the one that was found, like, right next to victim number one. And he was found September 23rd, 1935, which I think was the same day. Yeah, and it was. he, um, he was the first to be murdered, probably. Probably. They didn't have great forensics back then. No shit. We hardly have great forensics now, and it's 2019. We have fantastic forensics now. Hardly. They can take, like, if you look at something really hard and you blink at it and you get iDNA on it, they can take that iDNA and find out who you are. People thought that he was originally murdered about seven to ten days before discovery, but then it was later revised to, like, three to four weeks. So he was killed somewhere between seven days and a month. Great. Like I said, not great. Not good forensics. The body was decapitated, but the head was found. Um, I don't think they ever found Andrew in Nassie's head, Mm -hmm. which is rough. Um, But his skin was, like, reddish. And I wrote legendary, but I meant leathery. (laughs) (laughs) What were you doing while you wrote notes? Because it obviously was not just writing notes. I don't know. I was probably, like, listening to a podcast or watching TV. You can't listen to people talk and then write words. Uh, Apparently not. Especially not if they're not about the same case. Yeah. Um, I think I was listening to Morbid. Um, so that, that's it on victim number two. That's all we know about him was that his skin was chemically treated and red and legendary. <laughs> and he had been there for a long time. Or not that long of a time. You know when you hear, like, genuine leather wallets, not the legendary <laughs> leather wallets. It's skin. Human skin. <laughs> that's what you get if you donate to our Patreon. We'll skin a human. <laughs> um... Victim number three was Florence Genevieve Saudi Pol. Are you sure it's not Gen- Genevieve? I, I, how would I, you spell Genevieve? I how many how many V's would it have? V two. Oh okay, maybe Genevieve. <laughs> Genevieve. <laughs> I don't know. I read Genevieve. No, Genevieve. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Florence Genevieve Saudi Polinia. Put put. Oh shit, that's not an end. Paulila. She was born. Why did I write it 6 December 1981? (laughs) The fuck? December... This this really harkens back to the first episode. (laughs) Is that when you made these notes? (laughs) Probably. They've been waiting for a long time. At least a month. Because I did them a week before we went to Cleveland. Yeah. So, over a month. Yeah, I'm getting my May recaps from Snapchat and it's like showing me all the pictures from Cleveland. It's great. Um, Florence Genevieve Saudi Palila was born... December 6, 1891. She was a waitress, a barmaid, and a prostitute. 
I think they just added on those other things to not just go, well, she was a sex worker. Yeah. Because um, those were always said first, and then in, like, very small print, like, in, like, subscript print, it would be, like, and prostitute. <laughs> on January 26, 1936, half of her body was found neatly wrapped in newspaper and packed in half-bushel baskets. The baskets were left alongside Hart Manufacturing Building. And then uh, a little less than a month later, on February 7th, 1936, other body parts were discovered in a vacant lot. Her cause of death was decapitation, and her head was never found. I hate that, because that means her head's still out there somewhere. Or eaten by an animal, probably. Okay, but there's probably still, like, bones. At least bone shards. Yeah. At least in, like, the animal's (laughs) poop. I don't like it. Um, The killer had waited for rigor mortis to set in before dismembering her body. Um... And she was ID'd by the fingerprints. But he he waited for her to be crunchy before he cut her up. Yeah. I don't like that. Uh, So victim number four was John Doe 2. He is known as the Tattooed Man. He was found on June 5th. I think that's this week. Yep. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding, ding. 1936. Uh, Two young bodies... Oh, two young boys... God damn. I'm an idiot. Two young boys discovered the head of a white man wrapped in trousers. Okay. Which is, do you remember when we were in Cleveland and we found those fucking pants? Yeah. That's all I could think about. Pants outside of, like, an odd eastern food restaurant. And they were just fucking laying, like, on a, a railing. Yeah. Just pants. No other clothing. I don't think there was a head in those pants, though. I hope not. I mean, they weren't, like, bundled up or anything, so if it was, it was a small head. Maybe the other head. <laughs> like, in the pocket. It had been raining, it got washed away. <laughs> oh. It was close to the East 55th Street Bridge, um, and the body was found in front of Nickel Plate Road Police Building. Uh, it had been cleaned and drained of blood and was completely intact except for the head. And then it had fingerprints and six tattoos, but even with the fingerprints, they couldn't identify him. And even with the tattoos, they couldn't identify him. There was a plaster reproduction of his head and diagrams and locations of the tattoos on display at the Great Lakes Expo in 1936. Which was, that was the World's Fair that year. Yeah. They called it the Great Lakes Expo. And they had a booth set up and they were like, have you seen this man? He looks like like this. They couldn't identify him from his tattoos because I think at the time having tattoos was taboo. So like, not a lot of people probably knew that he had them. Maybe, but also, like, you would think that if you had a friend who had six tattoos in 1936, you would know about that guy, and you'd be like, yeah, I know him. Maybe he didn't have friends, because he had tattoos. <laughs> Probably not. Um, he had been dead about two days at the time of the discovery, which we learned was victim number two. That doesn't mean shit. Uh, and he was believed to be killed fifth in order, but he was fourth found. It was really hard for me to decide if I wanted to put them in order of how they were found or how they were murdered. I went with how they were found. Yeah. Um, Victim number five was John Doe three. He was found July 22nd, 1936. A teenage girl found the body of a 40-year-old white man on the west side. Um, His head and bloody clothing were found nearby, and the victim was killed where the body was found. And he was, like, really the only one that was killed where his body was found. Because mm-hmm. normally the killer would take him home, take them home, wash them. Sometimes wait for them to get crunchy. And then cut them up. And then tan them. Yeah. I really, sometimes I wish you were a 40-year-old white woman. Because I just want you to hear the terrible things that I say and go, no. Yeah. 
Because, like, could you imagine if I went to, like, Mom's a Murder and went, they waited for him to get crunchy? Mom's a Murder is the tamest true crime podcast I've I ever know. heard. And, like, that's great, and I get it, but, like, Morbid tells me all of the details, and I listen to them first. He had been dead for about two months at the time of the discovery, and then that's all we know about him. Victim number six, John Doe 4. Uh, he was found September 10th, 1936, and a, a transient had tripped over the upper half of a man's torso. That's my biggest fear. Yeah. It's just a going outside and being like, oh shit, there's a dead guy. So, they found, he found the upper half of the man's body. But what you, I know what you're thinking. Where's the lower half in the fucking sewer? Um, so, 600 people gathered around the fucking sewer to watch the police pull the body out. And you know Crystal and I would have been front fucking row. <laughs> but I was like, that had to have smelled fucking vile. Oh, yeah. It's 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 rotting body part in poop. But it was also, like, 1936, so it's probably just what outside smelled like. <laughs> okay, it's not 1836 where everybody <laughs> threw their shit on the road. Apparently it was, because this sewer, it wasn't like they had to go underground. It was, like, a big open basin <laughs> that just had shit water floating in it. And then also a dead body. Oh, is it like one of those ones at the park where it's like that big, ti- that huge tunnel? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like fine. That. It's not fine. It's gross. Um, I grew up in a rich neighborhood and that's nasty. No, you didn't. You grew up in a trailer park where shit came out of your bathtub. <laughs> exactly. And if that shit had dead party parts in it, I would have been very upset. It would have clogged your bathtub <laughs> and you wouldn't even fucking know. You're acting like it didn't clog my bathtub already. You would just be like, oh great, the landlord fixed it. It stopped coming. <laughs> so the victim was in their late 20s and died of decapitation but the head was cut off and one cut so it was like guillotined off Mm -hmm. and police said that the killer is confident and familiar with human anatomy or just has a very sharp knife yeah it's 1936 who can say um jousting then right (laughs) exactly jousting and poop water yeah outside um found uh, victim number seven was jane doe one She was found February 23rd, 1937. A man finds the upper half of a woman's body on the shore of the Cleveland River. The first one, she was the first one who was not killed by decapitation. The decapitation was post-mortem. So they still cut her head off. That's just not what killed her. They found out what killed her? Um, no. Hmm. So no obvious stab wounds on the torso? No. But they did find the lower half of her body three months later. It also washed up on shore. I guess they didn't go looking for it. They're like, uh, it'll come up. It's fine. Yeah. You send out a fishnet. A, a transient will trip over it. It's fine. <laughs> Some kids will find it playing. It's great. Um, victim number eight was Jane Doe 2, Rose Wallace. Uh, she was found... We think it's Rose Wallace. This one wasn't for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, she was found June 6, 1937. A teenage boy finds a skull. And then next to it, there's a burlap sack. And he looked in there, and it was the rest of her body. Um, it was the the skeletal remains of a 40-year-old African-American woman. I don't know how they could tell that, but they could. Um, she was unofficially identified through DNA, re- through dental records. They didn't have DNA back then. DNA hadn't been invented yet. Um, victim number nine was John Doe 5. He was found one month after victim eight, exactly. He was a member of the... A member of the National Guard saw a body floating in the Cuyahoga River. So, the, he was just looking, and, a, like, a boat went by and, like, pulled up the undercurrent. Mm-hmm. And he was like, holy shit, that's a dead body. So, they went to go get it. 
Um, the entire body was recovered in pieces except for the head, which was never found. What? They found the body. The head was never found. Uh, so this one was, like, very gruesome. Mm -hmm. The body had been gutted, which, like, had not happened before. And also, his heart had been ripped out. Her yeah, his heart had been ripped out. And the victim was between 34 to 39. I don't know how they could tell that. But they could. It's, it's something with collarbones. Collarbones do something when you get old. Okay, but you would think after they cut his body up and ripped out his insides and his heart, his collarbone might be a little funky. But how funky? Yeah, apparently not too funky. Not funky enough. <laughs> uh, April 10th, they found the body. Uh, April, victim 10. I didn't write down if it was a man or a woman. April 10th, what? You said that date three times and they were all wrong. <laughs> Hold on. Give me a minute. I didn't write down if oh, it was a woman. Okay. Victim 10 was, I think, John Doe 3. And she was found April 8th, 1938, with the lower half of a woman's leg found. And then two burlap bags were found one month later. One had the torso and the other one had the rest of her legs. She had drugs in her system, but it wasn't clear if she was just on drugs mm -hmm. and then got murdered or if she was murdered using drugs. Because it's hard to tell. Judging by the MO, probably not murdered by drugs. Well, they didn't know if, like, because you have to think that to, like, overpower all of these men, he p might have to put them with drugs. Yeah. But the other ones didn't have drugs in their system, but they also, some of them didn't have a system to find the drugs in. So, who knows? Um... Victim 11 and 12 were John Doe 4, Jane Doe 4 and John Doe 6. They were found at the same time at the East 9th, East 9th Street Lakeshore dump. The torso of a woman was wrapped in a man's blazer and an old quilt. Terrible. The legs and arms were found wrapped in butcher tape and held together with rubber bands. And then the head was the same way. And then while they were searching for the, like, the rest of her body parts, they found the man, which was not what they were looking for. They just put that back down and said, no, we'll come back to this later. Mm -hmm. um, the, both the bodies were placed in full view of Elliot Ness's window. Now, I know what you're thinking. Who the fuck is Elliot Ness? Crystal's not thinking that. She knows. <laughs> yeah, I've heard this at least twice. But I'm going to tell you guys anyway. Ness was the safety director of Cleveland, which sounds like a fake job. <laughs> and ironic. Um, after finding... After the finding of victims 11 and 12, he was like, the murderer has to be a transient. No normal person would cut up a man and a woman who aren't married and put their bodies next to each other. You know, not, not no normal person would cut up bodies. Yeah. They wouldn't put an unmarried man and woman next to each other. Yeah. Transient. Or upside down. Yes. <laughs> so, August 8th, 1938, near 1 a.m. in the morning, 35 police officers raided what were called the hobo jungles of the third run. Which was, like, their tent city. But apparently back then they were called the hobo jungles, which is very offensive. Yeah. To that, hobos. It was the 30s. Everything was not offensive. I mean, you're correct. Um, they gathered up 63 men, searched the shacks, and then burned them down. The public was pissed. Because, like, now all of these people who don't have any homes don't have any homes. Mm -hmm. And now they're going to come live on my street and be homeless on my street. And how dare you? It was like when they moved all of the homeless people off of 3rd Street in Cincinnati. Yeah. And everybody was so offended by it. They were like, well, where are they going to go now? My house? Ridiculous. Maybe help homeless people. Which, like, I agree that it was terrible to just kick all the homeless people off 3rd Street, but people were mad for the wrong reason. Yeah. 
They just didn't want to have to deal with them. Ness claimed that this ended the murders, but they did stop, but that probably was not why. On July, in July of 1939, County Sheriff Martin O'Donnell arrested Frank Dolezal. Um, and I, I gave myself a pronunciation guide and I think I nailed it. Um, Dolezal was 52 and he had lived with Florence Polilio, who was victim number three, and had known Edward Andrassy, victim number one, and Rose Wallace, victim number eight. So he had ties to the three identified victims. And his confession was just incoherent ramblings with very precise details. So he was like, oh my, kind of went somewhere in Rose Wallace. <laughs> and so this was very clear that he had been fed, like, fed bits and pieces and, like, his confession was coached. Because mm-hmm. he didn't know what he was talking about except for very specific details. Um, and so before he went to trial, he was found dead. He had six broken ribs and had been hung off a, five, up off a hook that was five foot seven inches off the ground. And the thing about that was he was five foot eight. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> Impossible. Um, and every, the police were like, this was a suicide, nothing to see here. He had those six broken ribs when he came to us. And everybody else was like, mm, no. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Maybe that's why was, his confession was so incoherent. Incoherent. <laughs> just in a shitload of pain. Yeah, because his lungs were being poked by his ribs. <laughs> Ugh, don't say things like that. <laughs> I made my ribs hurt. <laughs> Another suspect was Francis E. Sweeney. He was a World War I vet, and he had, he was in the medical unit performing amputations. He failed two polygraphs. Great. Which doesn't mean anything now, but in 1936 basically meant you were guilty. Yeah, before forensics were a thing and they could test you. Poltergeist. Polygraphs were the only thing they had. (laughs) The only way to know was to ask the Ouija board. (laughs) Yeah. Honestly, more reliable than a lie detector sometimes. Absolutely. If used correctly. If you got some bitch there, like, coaching him, then probably not, but... I posted on uh, Tumblr. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody said that somebody refused to take a polygraph, and that was, like, absolute sign that he was guilty. And I was like, no, they're very unreliable. And she went, um, they're only incorrect about 20% of the time, so I don't think it's fair to say that they're... Or she said they're correct about 80% of the time, so I don't think it's fair to say that they're completely unreliable. And I was like, for a murder? I think 20% is a wide margin of error. 20% is definitely the, um... Oh, God, what's the thing where... Sig did... Sig digs. No, it's like, um... Sig figs, that's what they're called, not Sig digs. Not only in court, where it's like reasonable doubt. That yeah. 20% is reasonable doubt. Absolutely. Sig digs. Um... He was the first cousin of one of Ness's political opponents, Congressman Martin O. Sweeney. And Sweeney had, like, made fun of Ness in the press about being like, you can't catch the killer because you're fucking garbage and I'm going to take your job. And so Sweeney committed himself to a psychiatric hospital so Ness could no longer pursue charges because he was pretty much guaranteed an insanity defense. (laughs) And so he did it. (laughs) The moral of the story, it was that guy. Yeah. But we, we don't have a conviction. It's unsolved. But I do have some more non-canonical victims. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was wrong with you? <laughs> non what? Non-canonical? That's a real word. It's a dumb word. That's a real word. Crystal looked at me and her eyes got really wide and she like rolled her forehead at me. Dude, it's what I imagine the same. Okay, so, like, last night, me and Cody were, like, eating chips and uh, queso, 
and I went, <laughs> it just as a joke, but like completely deadpan out of nowhere, I went, so is the earth going to sink since we have a helium shortage? And he just looked at me. <laughs> and he's like, are you joking? I can't tell. Make the sex. <laughs> you, you're, you just went <laughs> and like rolled your forehead at me. It was really weird. Um, so one of the first non-canonical victim is the Lady of the Lake. She was a white female who was 33 to 37 and had been dead for three to four months. She was found on September 5th, 1934, which was one year before victim one. It, she was found along the shore of Euclid Beach in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Euclid's right. It's okay. like Euclid Avenue. I've never heard of that place. In Covington. Don't go there. Um... Only the lower part of her torso and the the upper part of her legs was recovered. So, like... From belly button to mid-thigh. Yeah. Just this part. Nothing else was ever found. I like that even worse. It said that she was, like, cut off at the knees, but I don't know the top of the knee or the bottom of the knee. Like, the middle of the knee, just, like, cutting kneecaps. (laughs) Crystal made the most ridiculous face. She literally went, I'm immune to all of this. And then it went... I can't even describe it, like... It's like when you scrunch your face up at a bad smell. Yeah, exactly. She just looked like she had smelled the dead body. Well, I have, like, the weird thing about kneecaps since, like, the other... (laughs) Since, since, like, last week. Because I was kneeling down to put something on the bottom shelf. But, like, the the walls that my shoes hang on, they have those foot feet that come off the Uh sides that keep them standing up in their corners. And I, like, fell onto my knees and my knee landed right on that (laughs) corner. And I, like, I could, I imagined my kneecaps crunching into that corner, and I didn't like it. So now I don't like knees. Don't say things like that to me. You know my dad dislocated his own knee and had to relocate it to drive himself to the hospital because no one else would do it, and he wasn't paying for an ambulance, and he had just gotten run over by a lawnmower? (laughs) Yeah, my dad's fucking dumb. Terrible. Um... Uh, they, there was a a chemical preservative on her skin, which was the same that was found on victim number two, the one who had the legendary skin. (laughs) That guy. Mm -hmm. And she was also found on the same beach that victim seven was found on. So not all the torsos were tanned? No. Only them two. Um, only two legendaries. Great. They're rare. Um, on July 1st, 1936, a headless male body was, it's almost over. I know it's been a very long ride. A headless male body was found in a box car um, in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. Three more bodies were found in boxcars near McKee's Rocks, Pennsylvania on May 30th, 1940. Other dismembered bodies were found in Newcastle between 1921 and 1924, 1942. And these bodies were considered to be acts of the murder swamp killer. And the two cities were connected by the Baltimore and Ohio Railroad. Which is a Monopoly tile. (laughs) On July 22nd, 1950, 41-year-old Robert Robertson was found dead at a business at 2138 Davenport. He had been dead for six to eight weeks and had been decapitated. He was estranged from his family. He had an arrest record and he was an alcoholic. Some investigators suggested that the person that killed the Black Dahlia killed him and killed all the other victims. Mm. Don't ask me how he got from L.A. to fucking Cleveland. And apparently then went to Newcastle, Pennsylvania. But if he was a transient, that would fit Elliot Ness's theory. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, because Sweeney did it, but... Death masks and photos of the victims were on display at the Cleveland Police Museum, which was where I really wanted to take Crystal when we were in Cleveland, but they're only open on, like, fucking Thursdays. 
Um, and the torso killer is all is also called the Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Um, and that's I just wrote Kingsbury Run was home to many people who had lost their jobs as a part of the Great Depression. And that's my last note. So my case is significantly shorter because yours was a lot of pages. Mine is a page and a half. Yeah. Which and it's I a, also write a lot bigger than Crystal. Yeah. Um, but it's a smaller case, which means that I couldn't find a single podcast, YouTube video, or Wikipedia article about it, so I had to pick it off of, like, four. Oh my god. Terrible. <laughs> so much work. Which really fucked with me, because I was trying to get, like, the continuity, but, like, people were telling it as, like, it was happening, but also as it already happened, but also as it might happen. So, hopefully it makes sense. So, my story, my case, is Trisha Abney and Justin Barnett. And I, I already don't like it, because Trisha is not spelled T-R-I-S-H-A, it's T-R-I-C-I-A. Mm. Trisha or Tricia. Tricia. Tracy. I don't fucking care. Um, so uh, Justin was from Birmingham, Alabama, and he went missing on June second to the third of nineteen ninety five because he was like out at night drinking. So like he might have gone missing at eleven thirty. He might have gone missing at twelve forty five. June second to the third, um, at night, and he had gone out drinking with his friends, with his girlfriend, and his girlfriend was named. Sheila or Sheila, I'm not very sure. Horton, which reminds me of Dr. Seuss because Horton, here's a who, and I like that movie. Um, but he told him and his girlfriend had made like they went into a bar and they had some drinks, and then they both had the agreement that they were going to separate and go to like their respective groups of friends' parties. And so he left to go to his party, his friend's party, um, and would be back later because they both live in the same apartment. So, like, I'll be home when I'm home, I guess. Um, and he was supposed to meet his friend at that party, but she said that he just never showed up. And then his girlfriend said that he never came back home. So, the, and like him, like the friends, I guess, at the bar, or the friends that his girlfriend was hanging out with, and then his girlfriend had called him all night, and he hadn't answered. And then days later, his girlfriend's car was found in um, Lakeview, which was 30 minutes away from Birmingham. Did he have her car? Yes. Okay. Um, and they had previously searched that area for Justin, like, uh, like probably right when she called the police that he was missing and that car wasn't there. So this was new, that his car was just found 30 minutes away. Um, but after they found the car, nothing happened for 20 years and it became an absolute fucking cold case until Jonathan Abney, which is Trisha Abney's brother, had come forward to the police in 2015 saying that he had information on the disappearance of Justin Barnett. And he said that his sister, Trisha, was involved. They, she said that Jeff Martin, who Trisha was dating at the time, was involved and then was, like, involved with the murder. Because he implied that there was a murder. He said that her boyfriend was involved with it. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Trisha is his sister. Mm-hmm. What's his name? Jonathan. Okay. Is that who you're... No. So, not Justin. Justin got murdered. Okay, Justin got murdered. Jonathan is Trisha's brother. Okay. And Trisha is Jonathan's girlfriend? There's a lot of names here. Yeah, I know. Okay. So, <laughs> I need a Trisha is... Trisha and Jonathan are brother and sister. Yes. Okay. Jonathan came forward to the police. Uh-huh. Justin is dating a girl named Sheila. Okay. Justin got killed. Yes. But how does Justin know Jonathan, know Sheila, know Trisha? Jonathan went forward to the police because he was Sheila's... Or, Trisha's sister. Yes. That makes sense. He okay. was Trisha's... What? He, Jonathan was Trisha's... Brother. Brother, yes. How did Jonathan know Justin? You'll find out. 
Okay, so we don't know that yet. No. Okay, cool, because like, you were like, he went forward to the police, and I was like, I missed something big. No. I, the continuity in these notes I is fucking I literally ridiculous. put my phone away, because I'm like, I, this is going to take my full attention. Yeah. Jonathan said to the police that he implied that his sister had murdered Justin, and that a man that Trisha was dating at the time named Jeff was involved. Oh my god, now there's fucking Jeff. Um... Oh, goodness. But then once Jeff was questioned by the police, he denied everything. He said he wasn't involved. He didn't know what the hell he was talking about. And then he died by suicide. Oh, terrible. So, didn't know anything. Sounds very not guilty. Yeah. So, then Trisha Abney became, like, the number one suspect. And the biggest, the most detail that I could find on her was um, around 1995, she was an exotic dancer working at a place called Sammy's. That's all. That's all I got. She also lived in an apartment with her brother Jonathan and okay. her boyfriend Jeff. Okay. So that's it. Um, you still haven't told me how any of them know Justin. Yeah. No Sheila. Authorities say that the night that Justin had gone missing, he was like walking probably to like the bar or the party or whatever, and Trish had like ran across him, um, and she lured him into she Trisha lured Justin into her apartment so that way she could rob him. Okay, because she was. Like, how? Like, hey, come here, let's fuck? Uh, she's an exotic dancer, probably by wiggling her belly button. <laughs> she's like, here, come look at what's inside my belly button. Yeah. You like this? Come inside. Maybe her apartment was Sammy's. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe the real murder was the friends we made along the way. Um, but they said that the robbery had gone bad, and so the couple just started stabbing Justin oh to death. God. And then dismembered his body in the bathtub, and then buried it. Great. After after this murder happened, they split up, and they ended up just, like, marrying two different people, and... Damn, that's not even, like, loyalty at all. Like, I know. I'll fucking murder some random yeah. guy with you, but I'm leaving afterwards. The only loyalty they have is, like, if, I, if you rat on me, I rat on you, so we just won't rat. <laughs> Great. Um, Trisha, between the time of the murders and, like, now, 2015, was arrested three, like, multiple other times and charged for three drug felonies. So, like... They, she was in court a lot after she had murdered somebody, and they just didn't have any goddamn idea. We have a lot of girls at work that do heroin, and mm-hmm. today my team lead walked up to me and said, what is it with white people and drugs? <laughs> I didn't even know where to begin. <laughs> I just I just went, I don't know, walked away. Jonathan told the police that Trisha um, and her boyfriend had picked him up from wherever he was, because he lived with the couple. Um, picked him up and tried to bring him back to the apartment and then when he walked into the apartment he just stumbled into Justin's legs hanging over the bathtub. Wait, who is this? Her brother. Okay, so Jeff and Trisha murdered him Mm -hmm. and then Jonathan just came home and went, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yeah, tried to take a piss and was just a dead body in the the tub. So that's how Justin knows Jonathan. Jonathan So he doesn't. It was the answer. Yeah. Um... He told the police... Do you think his legs tangled? <laughs> I don't know. It may be. Um, Justin said that... Not Justin. Jonathan said that he had helped Trisha and Jeff bury the body. Why? What are you going to do? Call when the police. What do you mean? What are you going to do? Leave. And, don't pee. And from what I can assume is he probably, like, told the police this entire case in order to get immunity for, like, assisting in burying a wrongfully murdered body. Listen, Crystal, I love you to death. If I come home and you go and you have a fucking body in the bathtub, I'm just leaving. <laughs> I'm not helping you bury it. So, after this, Trisha was arrested, and then she was questioned, and then she ended up just confessing that Justin was killed in her apartment, but it was mostly Jeff's fault. 
I didn't do it. Yeah. It was at my house, but I was just trying to watch my soaps. <laughs> but obviously, they didn't fucking believe her. So they went to trial in September. And during this trial, in September 2017, so this is like, took like two years to take okay. her to trial. When um, was he murdered? 1995. God damn. Yeah. And then That's her brother like... her brother came forward in 2015. She went to trial in 2017. So why? At that point, like, why? I mean, like, yes, come forward because closure. Yeah. But, like, what happened to you that you were sitting on it for that long? It took 15 years to break down his conscience, I 20. guess. 20, yeah. That's crazy. That's a whole... That's Josh's entire lifetime. <laughs> um, but during the trial, they had said... They said that the prosecution's case rested completely on Jonathan's testimony, basically saying like, that they had nothing. All they had was Jonathan's testimony against his sister. And he's not a reliable witness at all. Yeah. Uh, Trisha's defense, whose name was Emery Anthony... Not, oh my god yeah so now there's trisha and sheila and justin and jeff and jonathan and what emory emory what was his second name anthony oh my god he has two first names um but trisha's defense said that they had just like no evidence against trisha because when talking to his sister jonathan during like a taped discussion he said to, he jonathan said to trisha his sister i know you didn't do it but, like, I don't know if that was him, like, trying to get her to confess or genuinely just being like, yeah, okay, whatever. But, um... I know you didn't. I know it was Jeff. Yeah. Even though we were there together. But he also said there were discrepancies between, like, what Jonathan had told the police, um, like, verbally and what he wrote down in the confession statement. Yeah, because he probably was worried that his sister wasn't going to go to jail and she's going to murder him next. <laughs> Prosecution said that Trisha and Jeff had actually just, like, planned the robbery and death completely because they were equipped entirely to dispose of his body because they had plastic wrap to wrap the torso in and trash bags to take away the body and a shovel to bury it. But but also, those are all household items. You guys were to say, that means nothing. Like, I'm also equipped to get rid of a body, apparently. I mean, I don't have a shovel, but I have plastic wrap. Yeah, my mom has, like, an industrial, like, restaurant roll plastic wrap in our house. Yeah, I mean, I also have wax paper. Yeah. I think the only bigger you can get is, like, the wrap that you use at, like, Walmart and Target, which is, like, two-foot rolls that you use to wrap an entire pallet of merchandise. So unless they had that and not regular plastic wrap, they had only... This is a much of a When case. I worked at Applebee's, we had to use this to wrap up the bar when we were treating for roaches. Ew. Just in case you want to go to Applebee's. They kept going, we don't have roaches, but just in case. And Jonathan had testified that his sister told him that she had stabbed Justin, and a woman in jail who was Trisha's, like, cellmate when she was in on a drug charge said that she admitted to cutting his head off. Like, this was something that she went around jail bragging about, probably to, like, not get butt-fucked in the showers. I don't know. She was like, I'm so hard, I cut his head <laughs> off. I cut yours off, too. Um, I don't know how long they deliberated for. I don't know if this was, like, an easy or hard trial, but Trisha ended up being convicted of capital murder and sentenced to life without parole. But also, his body was never found. So. Was he decapitated? Mm-hmm. Did they find his head? I don't know. Well, no. How do they know that Remains were never found. How did they know that he was dead? Well, Trisha said that she cut off his head. She just said, hey, I did it. That's, that's not enough. Yeah. They couldn't ever get her to take him to the body? I guess not. I, either they didn't remember because it had been 20 years or, like, it had been decomposed because it had been 20 years or something. I'm going to go ahead and say that it doesn't matter if it's 75 years later. You cut up a body, you know where it is. Yeah. I don't know. It was it was a small case and it seemed kind of interesting because, like, stripper, de um, not decomposes, dismembers a body, but, like, also maybe not. Maybe he's just a vengeful brother. But she probably did it. 
Justin and Jonathan and Trisha and Sheila, who you literally mentioned once, and Emory Anthony. Yeah. And Jeff. Sheila wasn't that important. I just wrote it down because I I don't know. You wanted to add more names. Yeah, I liked that name. Sheila's a cool name. Fucking Jeff. I'm thinking about Jeff from American Dad. (laughs) I spent all, like, last week. So, like, last week I I started my story by saying, like, fuck your brand. But Mm -hmm. I couldn't remember what that reference was. That's the fuck your chicken strips (laughs) vine reference. But I couldn't remember what it was. And I was just, I kept saying in my head, fuck your beef jerky. (laughs) And that's not right. Fuck your chicken strips. (laughs) Great. Yeah. Now nobody over the age of, like... 25 is gonna listen to us because now we're referencing vines uh hold on let me go through our fucking okay if you want to find us not where you found us originally we're on spotify and itunes and google play and stitcher and apple podcasts and all of the places literally anywhere if you're not finding us you're doing it on purpose yeah it's all your fault we're on instagram at this week in crime on twitter at this week in crime at tumblr on this week in crime.tumblr.com we don't have a website i don't know why you say this week in crime every time it's just this week on tri- crime on twitter instagram facebook tumblr yeah all not, of those places not snapchat i don't know i'm trying to be morbid <laughs> you wish i know no i was doing that long before we listened i listened to morbid but I don't know. That's where we are in all of those things. We yeah. don't have a, a website. We also don't have a Patreon. You can email us at thisweekincrime.gmail.com. You won't, though. You won't? Fucking bet you won't. <laughs> Bitch, you won't. Hey, you had cross-stitch stuff to talk about right after uh, I said cross-stitch, and you went, oh my god, hold on. Yeah. No, it was... I, I mostly just wanted to talk about fucking David. Peach boy. Fucking David. Okay, Crystal and I got kicked... Crystal got kicked out of a cross-stitch group for saying fuck. Yeah. Because apparently we're not grown women. But we got kicked out of, Crystal got kicked out, I didn't get kicked out. But this guy was literally talking so much shit about, who are these 12 girls that you left, let in here who think that it's funny to say fuck, you need to kick them out, you need to ban them, that Crystal girl is nothing but drama, da 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 like going on and on and on about us. And so, of course I stalked him. <laughs> and he joined our cross-stitching group. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember letting him in. <laughs> But I don't I, want... I don't vet any of them. I just click approve all, and then if they start shit, I'll delete them later. Oh, I go through and read their answers, and if I don't like their answers, I click decline. Oh. I read every single one of their answers. <laughs> I like the numbers. Oh, see, I like quality. <laughs> but, um, I was... I saw him in there. Mm-hmm. He was like... He fucking grows peaches. That's the joke, is that he hates us so much, and he's a grown-ass old man who gets offended by the word fuck. And gross peaches. And cross-stitches. Did he message you back? No. Did he read it? No. Oh my god. He probably doesn't know how Facebook works. Probably. I can't. Have you seen his fucking profile picture? He looks so goddamn smug. Yeah, he sent it to me. I fucking hate him. I fucking hate him so much. Um, but that's like all the banter we have today. I got like a weird pop arty pixel art book that i'm gonna try to figure out i couldn't i can't even describe it to you because i don't know what the hell it is um i'm cross-stitching stuff for cody for our anniversary even though he's pissed at me right now um i need to order some things off of amazon to do that but i can't say it alex like he might be listening to me and then that's it that's all i've got today sucked today since school let out recently every single day at my job is going to be like saturday and i want to die it's gonna be busy as hell every day because there's no school I started working where Crystal works, mm-hmm. so I worked six days there, and then one one day at my job. So really, I worked, I worked eight days at Crystal's job, and one day at my job before my other job, yeah. before that, and then I worked today at that job, and then 
Wednesday and Thursday because we're recording this on Monday. So Tuesday and Thursday. Or Tuesday and Wednesday. God damn it. I have to go back to Crystal's job <clears throat> and then Thursday because I don't have any cash because I don't get paid for another week and a fucking half. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to work at my other job again. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Her first day, I, or like her first day not on computer training, I had to go get managers for her because she didn't want to talk to like the, the person trainer, which is fair because I don't like her either. But Yeah, she's an asshole. But now I just walk up to whatever manager and I go, hi, what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> and they seem to appreciate that I'm not just standing there pretending to organize the aisle. Yeah, because that's what everybody does. Um, support DM came up to me while I was organizing paint. And, like, he was about to say something. He, he was about to say something to me. But then he saw that I was actually organizing the paint. So he went, good job, and walked away. Because <laughs> it had never been organized again. He used to be a manager in automotive. Uh, so he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. And he I don't think like, he's ever been to, like, the, the special classroom training. He looks like that guy on our bowling league with the lisp. <laughs> like, exactly fucking like him. He always has bad breath as well. I don't like it. Oh, he's never gotten that close to my face. He, I have to get close to him sometimes, so that way customers, like, pass, but he'll be talking and it just smells. And I don't like it. There's a guy that I, that works at where we both work now who is quitting in, like, two Saturdays to go work at, like, some kind of money thing in Frankfort, Kentucky. And he doesn't have money to move to Frankfurt yet, so he's just going to be driving to Frankfurt every morning for his desk job, which sounds absolutely terrible. Yeah. Because Frankfurt is three or four hours away. It's a long way. One of Josh's friends literally drove up here from Florida with $20. Like, he got tired of being in Florida, so he loaded up on gas and drove up here with $20 in his pocket and went to Josh's friend's house and went, hi, I have to live here now because I have $20. Terrible. Terrible. Yeah. If you did that, I would literally be like, no. He's like, an, he's an older guy, but the way that he talks is like really slow, so it makes him seem older than he is, and he's like, well, it's a desk job. It has a future. Uh, he sounds so hopeless that he's working at my job, and like, I get it, but dude, yeah. I, I, it's not hopeless enough to drive four hours in the morning. One of the greeters were sitting, was sitting in the break room yelling about like, food stamps, and I was so uncomfortable, because I just wanted to go, no. <laughs> You're full of shit, and you're wrong, and you're a grouchy old man, and I you fucking stubbed your toe forever. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't, because I'm new. I work um, I work in apparel, and so, like, there's the entire apparel team. So there's, like, me as a manager, and then there's the infants manager, the women's, the lady, the women's, the men's, the intimates, and then the boys and the girls manager. And, like, the children's manager. So there's, like, five or six of us. And today there were five of us in the back. Um, opening up boxes and putting them into shopping carts by like men's clothes here and women's clothes here and whatnot. But she was talking about how one of her friend's moms is getting so much plastic surgery and how it's like so shitty and she didn't need it. And they're like, they're ragging on the fact that she got plastic surgery. And they're like, well, she was beautiful before. And like, yeah, I get it. And you feel like you're getting coming from a good place because you're calling her beautiful before her plastic surgery. But that's not your decision to make. Yeah, like mind your own fucking business. That's what I have to tell Josh all the time. But when he's just like talking shit about people and he'll get like so personal with it. And I'm like, yeah. Why does it matter? People that talk about plastic surgery always say, like, well, they were pretty before, and, like, they that's that's the way they justify is their negative comments of, like, well, I'm saying that she was beautiful as as she is, and she didn't need it. It's like, yeah, but she, she wanted when, it. That's when, like, I spend 40 minutes doing my makeup, and then Josh goes, well, you're pretty without makeup. Yeah. Like, okay, but now I have gold eyelids. <laughs> Cody does that, too, but he, he keeps telling me that he tells himself of, like, he has to remind himself that I don't wear makeup for him, I wear makeup because I like having eyelid, eye wings. Yeah. That's basically, I don't know, Josh is getting better at that, because working at your job, I don't want everybody to go, holy shit, she's a mess. So I've been, like, putting my hair up, and the other day I straightened my hair for the first time in, like, three months. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm trying 
to be together as a person. It's not working, but I'm trying. But I did my makeup five days in a row. Mm-hmm. And then on the sixth day when I had to work at my job, I barely brushed my hair this morning. I just went in because they've seen me at my worst. Yeah. I was like, it's fine. That's also probably why I didn't make any money today. I've told Cody that I could wear makeup. I like I like wearing makeup and I think it's fun, but also I have hooded eyelids because I'm half Asian and they're really oily, so everything just gets fucked up anyway. But I told him that I could wear makeup to work if I wanted to because I'm not like... When I did Freight, I was in the back and I was sweating constantly. Like, now I'm not. Oh, I'm usually. always sweaty. I'm, I'm, I'm all right unless I'm getting, like, unless I'm moving big boxes of boots, and then sometimes I am. But, like, I get up at 7 in the morning. I have to get up at 6 just to get ready, and I would have to get up at, like, 5.30 to put makeup on. It's just too much, so I just don't. But I could, but I don't want to. Yeah, I feel that. I don't know. I don't have to be at work till 11. Yeah. I'm too worried about having my ponytail, like, not have flyaways to fucking worry about my eye makeup at the same time. Oh, see, my hair always has flyaways, so I just put it in braids and hope for the best. Oh, well, this, today I had, like, such a night, because I just got a haircut, so all my hair feels, like, healthy, because I don't have any of the split ends anymore. And I put my ponytail up, and my hair was soft as shit, because I put moisturizer in it last night after I showered, and I was feeling real good about myself. But I stuck the hand in the back, like, underneath my ponytail, and it had one of those, like, bumps that you get when you put your hair up, but it was fucking giant. And I couldn't fix it, because if I took it down and tried to finger comb it, the top would be bumpy. And so I just had to, like, deal with a bumpy back and then hope that, like, nobody noticed it. Even though it's not a big deal, it's just me. Nobody noticed. Yeah. It doesn't matter. That's why, like, I love Tristy so much, because she can literally wake up, run her fingers through her hair, put it up in a ponytail, she does not give a shit. She's like, what are they going to say to me? (laughs) Tell them to go suck their own dicks. I don't care. And I just envy her so much, because I'm, like, my biggest fear is somebody looking at me and going... You didn't try at all, did you? Because, like, my self-esteem is very fragile. <laughs> like, I posted on Facebook looking for pool recommendations, and Josh's friend commented, you should go to the one in Josh's old neighborhood, like, and give me where it was. I was like, listen, my self-esteem is low enough without having to see Josh's ex-girlfriends and ex-hoes in their bikinis. Yeah, I don't know. I really want to go swimming in Bowling Green, but Cody said that he might not want to, so I'm kind of bummed out about it. How does he know that he doesn't want to a month in advance? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But then I said, because like I said, I want to I wanna get a new bikini because mine is like three years old. It, not even three, like seven or eight years old. And I want to get a new one. If not, the fact that I haven't outgrown it is the fact that I just don't want to wear it just anymore. Just get a new one. Um, but then he said that he didn't want to go, probably or maybe. And so I said, that's fine. Um, whatever. And then we were at Burlington and he was like, well, you should, they have bikinis here. You can look. And I was like, no, I don't need one anymore. And he's like, why? And I was like, because you said we probably won't go swimming. And he took that as a jab at him. It wasn't. everything is a jab at him. But. It, it, it literally wasn't. I just don't want to waste money on a bikini because I don't go swimming that often. I just looked into things that... Because I'm going to Bowling Green for anniversary. And I looked into things at Bowling Green. And one of the attractions was like a giant water park and I wanted to go. We should go to Coney Island. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need to take a weekend off and go. I really want to go to East Fork. But it's fucking... Going all the way to Batavia is such a pain in my ass. Then your mom's going to yell at you for not visiting her. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, like one night, Josh and I, when we went camping at East Fork for three days... We got hungry, and we didn't have any money, so we just went to my grandma's, and she fed us. That's fucking ridiculous. We just showed up, we went, hi, we're camping at East Fork, and I'm hungry. <laughs> she went, okay. Come in, sit down. Ridiculous. Don't pet my cat, she's grouchy today. <laughs> fed me. Yeah. Well, that's all we got before we get boring and talk about ponytails again. <laughs> yeah. I'll never survive the zombie apocalypse. Bye. Bye. <laughs>